Hello and welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me as always is Curtis Eastwood. Curtis, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great. My yeah. Seahawks are in the playoffs. I know. You know, like uh Ours. how about that? Yeah. Uh, I know. This- there's there's a there's a fun there's a fun video uh, that's very viral right now on uh, on Seahawks Twitter of some uh, some idiot that was um, uh, buddies with Colin Cowherd at the beginning. Oh, I saw of that one. I saw this one. And anybody see this thing where they were talking about potentially trading for Jimmy Garoppolo and all this sort of stuff and like what Jimmy Garoppolo might do for Seattle and. This guy was like, yeah, if 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 Seattle gets above 500 at the end of the season, I'm going to I'm going to shave their logo into the side of my head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for it to happen. No, so it's being retweeted and retweeted and retweeted <laughs> right now. <laughs> my chiropractor brought this up today because ah. I guess he actually like watches that show and I made the mistake of when he said Colin Cowherd of being like, "Oh yeah, that guy hates the Seahawks." Seahawks and he's like, "What?" It's like Nothing, never mind. Uh, and then he asked me if he's like, Oh, yeah, well, his like co host said he would shave the Seahawks logo on the side of his head if they made the playoffs. He's like, So aren't they in the playoffs? Because he didn't do it. And I was like, Yes, the wild no, card is in the playoffs. playoffs. As far as I, I'm pretty sure we consider that playoffs. It is not regular season, ergo, it is playoffs. They are definitely in the playoffs. Thanks to uh, the Detroit Lions for taking down Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and uh, and helping our Seattle Seahawks get in there and potentially uh, putting Aaron Rodgers into retirement. Listen, if Aaron Rodgers' last play is an interception, like if that's his last play of his career is a home loss to lose out on the playoffs and throwing an interception in the process. That is just prime karma for me. I think Brett Favre's last uh, play was an interception (laughs) to lose in the playoffs when he was with the Vikings. uh, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's uh, maybe that's good news for Jordan love. You know, (laughs) how are you doing over there? Lana? doing all right all right uh, um, yeah go ahead yeah. you had some early mornings and late nights is my my style right now i like it but, millie yeah. how are you doing uh i'm good i'm good yeah. my seahawks are in the play i'm just kidding. your seahawks are in the play <laughs> our seahawks. seahawks do you uh do you do you by chance do you have uh do you have our season predictions I, I do. I will dig them up, but dig uh, those up. Dig those up. Well, I mean, I know your season predictions when we did it at the beginning of the season, all yeah. three of you were eight and nine. We were eight and nine. Yeah. Um, I'll look, some people did pick. We would still make um, the playoffs in a wild card at eight and nine. Um, But let's just, let's just start this off real quick with one thing. There was only one person in this group who said the Seahawks would win. And the Lions would win. And that is me. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Aren't you so glad I was right? We uh, Somebody had to manifest that. <laughs> we manifested it together. So thanks for all the energy. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, we're going to have to manifest a lot more if we're going to get past those San Francisco 49ers on Saturday. It's a true um, story. Sorry for the paper wrestling. I'm trying to find your thing because I keep really, really good notes. <laughs> yeah. These are your really prediction good. post-its. If you're listening to this podcast and you want to see Millie's great notes, you should uh, pop on over to YouTube and you can see our, <laughs> no, nope, that's the, yeah. There, there it is. Uh, this is the beginning of the season. And Alana said we would make the playoffs. Bang. At and eight and nine, right? You did. You said eight yeah. and nine, but we're going to make the playoffs. Um, and that, and then Tampa ended up doing that as a divisional winner, right? Yeah. And so yeah. did. Oh, no, just Tampa. Yeah. I don't see that anyone else was willing to make that prediction. No. So congratulations. Well, the NFC has been garbage. Thank you. <laughs> NFC, I mean, like we the NFC is hot, hot trash. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Can I just say I saw this? This is a this is a really cool statistic for the AFC. Uh Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the AFC in the playoffs right now at oh, 27. Wow. That's rad. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I think that's good news for them. Yeah. Kids that's, are all uh, right. That's kids are all right. That means there's a lot of good young talent rising up to the top. I like well, the it. AFC has sucked long enough to like be in <laughs> yeah, exactly. of drafting all these quarterbacks. It was time. So, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like a cyclical thing. It's the cyclical thing. Now the NFC is hot, hot garbage and, and the NFC doesn't have a lot of the quarterbacks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we got Geno Smith, baby. Who, uh, I don't know. Might be the best quarterback in the NFC. No, that's that'll that's Jalen Hurts. But uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts, I he's hurt. I mean, if we're going with right now, yeah, it it could be Geno. Yeah, could be Geno. It could be Jared Goff. Kirk Cousins has been playing pretty well. It could be like Brock Purdy. It could be Brock. <laughs> there is conversation Brock right now. Purdy is undefeated right now, so. There's conversation right now that Brock Purdy should be the rookie of the year. I just wanted to put that out there mm-hmm. and just note how garbage a take that is. You know, if he played most of the season, I could get behind that. But when you've only played, I don't know, what, six games or something like that? No. Right. I can't give it to you. Yeah. I think you have to give him props that he's played. He's pre- played pretty solidly. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got probably the best roster in all of football right now uh, to be playing quarterback for. So, I mean, it's yeah. just like, I mean, what, 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 what really is Stetson Bennett for like Georgia, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like he's, 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 he's good, but he's got the best fucking football in college football or the best team in college football yes uh, around them so you know i mean it's easy to throw wide open passes when you've got like the best offensive line and the best receivers and all of this and a defense who can bail you out if you make mistakes i mean come on he's a two-time it's so very 49ers to have regardless of how good the quarterback is if they're not the superstar then they're fine. It doesn't matter that they win. They're just fine because the team is so good, which makes me just feel bad. Just like I felt bad for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, yeah. Oh, well, he's a game manager. Oh, go to hell. You know what? Game managers win games. I've said it before and I'll say it again. 
every quarterback is a system quarterback. It's just that some quarterbacks find their system right away and other quarterbacks have to travel around and Geno Smith it until they find their system. Like hundred percent. I just like Tom Brady's a system quarterback. Full yeah. Time. You know, uh, maybe the only one I could think of that's not a system quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. And that's just because he's a magical little elf with a squeaky voice. And like, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you see the goat, actually the goat at a position, not just the goat at winning games, but somebody who is the best to ever play it. Yeah. And that happens to be Patrick Mahomes, but everybody else, Peyton Manning is a system quarterback. Yeah. Although Peyton Manning, I could argue he was, and and he really preferred his system, but I also feel like Peyton Manning has the football IQ to just destroy any system that he plays. I think he would just master it. Yeah. Um, He's pretty exceptional. Um, but I uh, fully agree with you, Alana. I think I, uh, most quarterbacks are the system quarterbacks. And, um, when we see a quarterback like really excel that they found their system. And sometimes, right. I mean, I like to think that there are probably dozens of quarterbacks that we gave up on as busts who, who never found their, who were just never given the opportunity to find their system. I think there's a strong chance that this whole um, Geno Smith's revelation this year um, is going to potentially make general managers across the league reevaluate how they want to deal with young quarterbacks. I hope so. I I hope so too. I just, I fear that we, we like we were talking about in the chat, um, Rich Gannon is the closest similarity to Mm -hmm. Geno, right? Where he went, through into the hinterlands for seven yeah. years or whatever, and then reemerged and became an MVP candidate because mm-hmm. he had the right, he went into the right system. And so like, we've seen it before, you know, we've seen um, we, the, the plan used to be the Steve Young model and the frankly, Aaron Rodgers model mm-hmm. um, that where you learn the, the program, you learn the system you learn how to be an NFL quarterback and then you graduate into a starting role and then instantly take your team to the Super Bowl because you've had that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've moved so far away from that. And then we have some flash in the pan seasons or some, I mean, like Ryan Fitzpatrick's actually another really good example um, because he could, he, he came in later in his career and had success in a lot of places, but we haven't consistently stuck to that as a model. I really hope it changes but it seems to me that the evidence points to this is something that happens every once in a while. And then we just, we want the young guy that we can have on a rookie deal for five years. I've I've got, yeah, I've got a theory on why it exists the way it exists right now. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, it's the allure from from a front office perspective, it's the allure of getting a talented young passer on a rookie quarterback that you can suddenly spend a lot of money in other places. <laughs> like there could be, you know, I mean, it's it's not without the realm of possibility that even though Geno Smith has had like this really phenomenal breakout year in which he was like, you know, a, a top 10 quarterback in the league mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, a pro bowl, you know, um, 
you know, like the fourth best passer statistically in a lot of categories, you know, the best, I mean, just, he, he I mean, he actually broke a franchise record. I think a couple of them this, this a year. Couple, a couple yeah, of them. Yeah. And so Yards I mean, and completions. This, this, is, yeah. this, is, this has been like, bar none, this has been a sensational like mm-hmm. year for him as a quarterback. But it's not completely outside of the realm of possibility that from a front office perspective, Seattle um, and possibly ownership could be looking at the fact that they have a top five pick in a year in which the quarterbacks look significantly better than they have recently. And like, they might decide, you know, that, Hey, you know, um, this is a rare opportunity for us to get one of these guys on a rookie contract to which we can suddenly, you know, spend a lot more money than we would have previously, or especially if we signed Gito Smith, um, to 30 plus million dollars a year that ties up a lot like we can't spend resources in other sort of ways so there's that whole i think there is that sort of you know i and i think in part you know seattle winning the super bowl and russell wilson's second year in the league kind of helped spur this on too just like totally did yeah they had a pro bowl quarterback making five hundred thousand dollars a year because he was a third round pick you know, so I can understand why there is that lore. And also, I just think that, like, from an ownership perspective, what gets fans really excited? It's the quarterbacks. And the and if you've got a quarterback that's taking a little bit longer to develop and your team kind of sucks, and then all of a sudden you can turn around and go like, okay, Sam Darnold didn't work out. So we're just going to sort of like, you know, jettison him off to you know the panthers and we're going to use this top overall pick right now on this zach wilson guy who everybody's saying is like the next patrick mahomes because look what he did at bcu and stuff like that and there's that type of hype and i also think that that you know the the hype machine for quarterbacks in college is huge too because you know i mean everybody on a quarterback needy team or everybody that's a fan of a quarterback needy team wants to watch the quarterbacks in college so they're going to tune in and watch you know uh you know bryce young and 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 will levis and all these other guys that are coming out and their ratings go up so it's kind of it's kind of a bit of a vicious cycle and yeah i mean what was it like Tua uh had the most uh the best-selling jersey in miami his rookie year when he wasn't starting quarterbacks make money quarterbacks make teams money you know and and it's just and i and i actually kind of believe that you know that college football and the nfl has a quarterback addiction you know, and yeah, and and it totally. kind of takes an old school coach that's been around long enough. It was kind of going like, you know, Gino was doing some great things for us last year, and he was great. You know, he was great at practice, and he seemed like he was really picking this up. I kind of want to just go with Gino Smith. You know, and he completely cut against the grain. I even think he probably cut against the grain of what the front office wanted him to do. I think they probably <laughs> wanted the, them to like see what they had in Drew Locke because their evaluations of Drew Locke were probably like, yeah, it looks like this guy might have something. But I mean, credit Carol. Yeah, credit Carol for like knowing football and quarterbacks probably a hell of a lot better than most people do. You know, I mean, I, and most people I in think- the league. 
What's that? I, most people in the league. Yeah. Like I can't see any other coach in the league uh, outside of maybe Belichick who would have been willing to roll those, that dice. Oh, huge, I huge cojones. I think to go with that. I was going to say, yeah, I, I think that Tomlin would make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I think that, I think that any coach that is secure in his position would make that decision based on the evidence that was what was in front of him. Because what we saw, what we see out of, or what we were seeing out of Drew Locke was potential with no execution. And what we were seeing out of Gino in training camp and and preseason. And what we were seeing out of Gino Smith was execution. It was not to the level that he came out and did in the regular season without a whole lot of potential, but he proved both of those things wrong and whatever I think that whatever Carol saw in him, Belichick would have seen in him. I think Tomlin would have seen in him. I think Andy Reid would have seen in him. We've seen all of those coaches make the choice to stay with or or elevate, like at the Alex Smith of it all with Andy Reid, where it yeah. was like, you know, and he brought the best out of him. So I think that that's, I, I just don't think Carol's a unicorn in this regard. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is, quickly um you you can really only have like 10 teams who have a really young quarterback right um because once you get to season three season four you're not a really young quarterback anymore you're you're a, vet you're a veteran yeah um and so you, then you've got another 10 teams who have like a prime quarterback or and uh and then another 10 teams who have like an end of prime quarterback um or or past their prime and so like why more teams aren't taking aren't intentionally filling those slots because that's where there's value. Take a money ball approach to it and bring in players like um, Tannehill, right? He's going to be done in Tennessee, but you bring him into, uh, I'm guessing you bring him into a different system uh, and uh, get new life around him. And he, he might be just as good as he was in Tennessee, maybe two steps back, but you could, if you have a good defense and a good running game, the, the New York giants could win with Ryan Tannehill in, in place of uh, oh, the Daniel jets Jones, would be right? in the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. Absolutely. And so like, there's, there's like the more, and, and you're, you're usually bringing those players in on a one year, $10 million deal or one year, six, I don't remember what Gino's getting paid, but you're bringing them in for a season and then it's a tryout and they have to prove it. Um, and then you get somebody who's in there, mid thirties, early thirties, and you could still have them for three or four years. I agree with Curtis. I think that this should be the model. I think that somebody getting out there and failing and then learning about the system and learning about uh, how to succeed uh, as an NFL player, you want that more than you want some young hotshot who comes in and, and fucking Zach Wilson's all over the place. Right. Like that guy's a piece of shit, you know, and they wasted a top three draft pick, a number one draft pick right on him. I don't remember two overall number two, like that's, that's going to set them back. And we saw it set them back this year, you know, because if they had, if they had Ryan Tannehill on that team instead, then that team is going 11 and six and, and contending for the NFC East. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, it, it, if, it, if it, the Jets had Teddy Bridgewater, they would be right. uh, going to the playoffs, you know? 
if if the Seahawks allowed Geno Smith to get to free agency without any sort of franchise tag on him, you can almost guarantee that the New York Jets are going to come calling his agent. And, and you and, can and, almost guarantee that he'll hang up the phone. <laughs> he may, or he may, you know, I mean, he said in his press conference, you know, when the teams played that he still has love for that organization and stuff. I mean, he might look at that situation and say like that's a pretty good freaking defense you know i mean that's that's a decent offensive line there's you know they've got some and they got you know, a good receiver and stuff you Do know i mean there's, there's, there, there's gonna be a if he gets to free agency there's gonna be there's gonna be multiple teams that are gonna be interested that are probably a quarterback away and yeah. if he doesn't get yeah. to free agency then we're probably not taking a QB with that number five pick. Yeah, I, I keep going. Uh, unlikely, I yeah. would. I want Gino to stay. I like him a lot. I would love to see him another, you know, two or three years. I could totally, totally see John Schneider taking if he likes a QB at number five, taking a QB at number five, and Carroll feeling comfortable going into the off season with a rookie and Drew Lock. I mean, I, I don't think that they would yeah. be upset about that here's what i think if i was geno smith this would this would be my ask if 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 seattle's serious about keeping me around i would i would i would flat out tell john snyder like hey i am willing to sign here multiple years and i'll even cut you a little bit of a deal to build around me with getting me a quality veteran center just get me that a is going to protect my ass against the Aaron Donald <laughs> of the world and get me a quality right guard but please do not do not draft my replacement with that fifth overall pick use that pick on the defense like yeah. that you know like if you can promise me that I will sign this deal right here for 20 four years and 25 million a year like I know that's low, but that feels like yeah. I don't. Th- I, it's gonna. It's gonna have count. to be at least thirty. I, I think. I mean, there'll be other teams that'll pay more, but I would. I would. If I was Geno Smith, I would. I would absolutely say that. I don't want to sign a deal after all the after all the time and effort that was you know that he had put you know waiting it out and getting the opportunity and and finally just completely balling out. You know, and 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 struggling a bit in the end when like his offensive line was completely banged up, you know. But still, I mean, guiding this team to the playoffs, you know. I mean, I think with all of that, I would not want to like sign a deal to stick around to like have to like babysit C.J. Stroud. Uh, totally, I, I wouldn't want to do it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And he could probably go to a team like, you know, Washington that would probably be picking in the teens and wouldn't be anywhere near, you know, I mean, I think all four of these quarterbacks are likely to go in the top 10. And so like, you know, if you go to, you know, a middling team somewhere else, that has some nice pieces. Like you probably feel that sort of comfort of going like, yeah, they're not going to take, you know, they're not going to be in reach for these guys. So I'm here for the next four years. If you're CJ Stroud, are you are you considering uh like going back to uh to college, seeing that uh a Jeff Saturday led Colts would be the one who'd be probably be picking you? 
Well, it could be. I mean, he could be. He could. I mean, he could go to. I mean, here's Houston. a crazy idea. Does do how good? How good is Justin Fields in Chicago? They're they're only going to keep. I, I've read a lot about this. They're only going to draft a QB in number one if uh, they are blown away by somebody. Yeah, and that to me says that they're trading. They're already taking calls for trades. That, for that yeah, because I think they don't the, have like a I second round pick or something like no, that. Justin yeah, Fields they, is actually fantastic. He just yeah. needs, I think you're going to see him be the next Jalen Hurts. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And if I'm Chicago, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I would look to trade back. They would get a haul. Yeah. With this, in this draft class, they absolutely would. I mean, there are five game-breaking talents right off the top. And then Richardson is right there too. Um, so I, th- I feel like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, it's going to be interesting seeing how it all shakes out. I think the first four picks are, you know, pretty obvious. And then after that, um, unfortunately, like the Seahawks are picking number five. So, you know, uh, I, I, I mean, I think the four obvious choices are Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, um, Carter, and... Uh, Anderson. Anderson Jr. Yeah. And then after that, it's, it gets a little muddier. Uh, but I don't know if I'm Chicago, um, I, I might be looking at Carter at number one, but, but if you can get like a, a dragon's horde of, of picks, I say, go yeah. for it. My hope is that some team trades up into that pick to take a quarterback that triggers other teams to want to trade up there to get quarterbacks and then what happens is ideally three or four quarterbacks get taken in right the top in front four. of seattle and yeah. then jalen carter just sort of falls yes falls in right seattle's in lap. lap i could Man, absolutely see that happening yeah, yeah. absolutely the, the, not see that happening i will disagree you don't with all of you yeah. i think i think arizona really wants him I, and i think that's a good arizona yeah 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 i'm it's i'm Watt, for arizona uh, to be know? stupid enough to trade out of that pick and like you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean indy's gonna trade up to number one houston will draft two is it arizona who's at three or is arizona's it... at three and, and they then... might sit at three and just take carter or will anderson yeah if i'm if i'm arizona i'm taking three uh and then who's at four that would uh, be Indy. Indy. Yeah. So oh, if yeah. trade it up, then it would be Chicago. Yeah. And then Chicago would take the other defensive. So we're yeah. gonna get we're gonna be in a position where like one of those teams will be an idiot and take the third best quarterback. We'll be in a position where we take CJ Stroud, who will be miraculously still on the board because somebody else took took Bryce Young. Um, so we could either take CJ Stroud or uh trade back or take a defensive player. Yeah, I, that's I, I my think, prediction. I yeah. think Houston and and Colts are going QBs. But if oh. if a team like Washington calls and like someone like CJ Stroud's still on the board, and we've signed Geno at that point, mm-hmm. like there's no reason not to trade down to Washington, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, like, I know. 
give them yeah. so like then pick up a couple extra picks they get that back of the future um everyone's pretty happy in that scenario here's the team that i'm that i'm really feeling that is likely gonna be desperate to trade up and probably do like some sort of like crazy sort of you know denver-esque type of like picks and players type thing i feel it's gonna be vegas um yeah i think i think i think that, they've got that scent of desperation around them. yeah right and and I, I gotta tell you if like you know if, if 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 vegas comes calling like you know schneider's way and they're like hey man and i what are they i think they're like eight or nine or something like that i mean if they throw in like their first round pick a second round pick and like uh, Max Crosby and like Patrick Alcorn's <laughs> head just completely explodes <laughs> because his favorite player is now a Seahawk. Like that would just like, I don't know. I just, I think that would be, I think that would be football orgasmic for me. Oh, you so, know what? The, the only thing that would be better than that is if, uh, is if they trade uh, for Russell Wilson and then Patrick Alcorn would have to like sit with that. Yeah, no one's yeah. trading for Russell Wilson ever again. Oh my god! Like, I I, I, I kind of feel like whoever their head coach is going to be is going to want some control over that situation. Uh, you know, I like I think whoever I their head Harbaugh. coach is going to yeah of of, of who who they're going to start. Like I think they're going to go. I'll come in, but this Russell Wilson thing isn't a sure deal. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, thank you, Denver Broncos. Uh, that couldn't have worked out any better than mm-hmm. it did. Uh, cause we're going to the Super Bowl now. I mean, um, it could have worked out a little better. They could have been a little worse. That would have helped. Yeah, they yeah. could have been a little worse. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. yeah, you could have, could have won one last game. That would have helped us out. <laughs> I just hope Seattle um, doesn't do something. I'm nervous that if they don't reach a deal with Geno Smith, that they'll send two first round picks to Baltimore for like Lamar Jackson. I don't see that happening. I, I think they would. I, I honestly think that if, if Geno ends up going somewhere else, I think they're perfectly comfortable with Drew Locke. Obviously, they'll, they'll go Drew Lock and they'll draft a quarterback. It'll be it'll be painfully totally. obvious, and then that might actually, yeah. I mean, then, but yeah, yeah. I mean, then you could really see teams trying to jump into that top four to try and you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Uh. So. Uh. But but here's the thing. Can I can I tell you something, guys? Sure. I'm upset that the Seahawks got the the shitty slot of the weekend this is by far not the worst game of the weekend you know what the the worst game of the weekend is is fucking dallas tampa like i I dallas tampa miami uh uh bills that's that's good i mean that's not a competitive game no no come on uh the jags game that one's worse that one's worse. I think that game will be competitive. It's. I think it's just worse in terms. Nobody of, cares. Like no fan base in San Diego and only fan base in Duval. Like 
nobody outside of Jacksonville cares about the Jags, but they care very much in Jacksonville. And here you I'm have sorry, two teams Millie. like, uh, you know, like the Seahawks 49ers. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a rivalry. It's a, it's a damn shame that they're not giving more opportunity for to be exposed to a nationwide audience at a better time. Do you, did some part of me thinks it's because it's uh, like Gino versus Brock Purdy and the NFL is like, that's not going to sell any, you know, tickets. It's possible. I mean, why is Dallas and Tampa on Monday night? Because it's Tom Brady versus America's team, Mm -hmm. right? Like, even though America's team right now, let's face it, it, is Buffalo. It's the Bills. Everybody, they're everybody's second favorite team right now, except for like Dolphins fans. And I think that's (laughs) probably why they aren't in that slot because that does seem to be the biggest blowout sure thing opportunity is that bill's game uh so i i do think it's because everybody's wants to watch the bills play and because they are a favorite it is it is really disappointing but i can't wait to just uh watch that game on saturday afternoon and then we'll agree um, once again, uh, the Seahawks are the, nobody believes in his team. Um, you know, uh, I think, uh, the point spread in Vegas is like 11 points by now or something it's like nine that. Nine and a half. Oh, mm. wow. It actually, uh, it was it ten actually, and a half. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's surprising. Um, nine and, nine and a half and is half. probably where it, it should before, be. We checked it tonight. Um, yeah. Nine and a half is actually probably where it should be. So, um, Good for them, um, because I think this game is going to be closer than um, the media thinks it's going to be. Um, you know, they they played the 49ers. What was that? I think it was uh, 23-13. They, 23-13. Um, I don't know. I think Carol's going to have this team ready to play. It's going to be hard. I am not saying that, like, you know, um, it is a sure thing that the Seahawks are going to go in like beat the 49ers, which might very well be the best team in football right now. But I also don't think it's an impossibility at all. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. the Seahawks actually have a fighting chance against this one. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one, just because, you know, division games are always a little wonky anyway. Like, you know, there were those Tom Brady Patriots would like, drop a game to the lowly jets or the bills when they sucked, you know, um, division games are weird. Uh, but I, I think this team is really fired up and the defense seems to have figured it out a little bit. The running game is back on track. And when you have a good defense and you have a good running game, you know, like that's a, that's a healthy combination to, mm-hmm. uh, to have some success in the postseason. Um, they're also relatively healthy the Seahawks um, for this time of the year. Um, uh, So, you know, they got some things going for them. Um, You know, the 49ers are also relatively healthy. Um, And, uh, but I'm just waiting for Brock Purdy to kind of like come down to earth a little bit. It's definitely time for that. If they let him throw the ball. Right. Yeah. The last rookie quarterback, I think to win a playoff game. Isn't, isn't it Russ? Or am I years ago? Yeah. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's that's weird. Later. I will. I will do a good Google. 
Yeah. Google that. Yeah. Did Mahomes not go his rookie year? No. No. He uh, didn't play his rookie year. Yeah. Alex Smith played that year. Yeah. Okay. I see what we're doing. Yep. I. Well, the first, let's not forget, though, the first game that we played against the 49ers, which was our second game of the season, coming off the high of completely decimating uh, Denver and thinking that was a big deal. (laughs) Oh, the first game of the season. And it was the second game against 49ers. And we broke their quarterback and we still lost 27-7. That's where we started with this team. And now this team is stronger. And in our last meeting, did not completely blow us out. So there's a lot of hope. There's a lot to hope. That first meeting to um, the Seahawks team was vastly different. The play, they didn't trust Gino quite yet. Yeah, um, the defense was yeah, horrible. Um, yeah, we hadn't gelled in any way. We had a completely different running game, completely different defense. It's yeah, it's very different now. Yeah, yeah. very different. Uh, I wanted that- to circle back real quick. Uh, the last rookie quarterback to start a playoff game that his team won was John Wolford in 2020 against the Seahawks, but he only played the first quarter and they put Goff in the the second quarter. So it doesn't, it doesn't doesn't really count. count. Prior to that, it was Russ. Wow. All right. There you go. So that interestingly enough, as it ties into this game was uh, a season in which uh, the Seahawks swept yep. the Rams in the regular season. Yep. And they were going, and we were hosting that game. It was in that weird COVID year where there was nobody in the stands. And, uh, Wait a goose and egg. they all, okay. and we all thought that, you know, I mean, the fans and I think the players thought that, you know, we, this is our year. We've got their number. We're going to, you know, and we knocked him, we knocked, uh, we knocked, we knocked John Wolford out of the game and Goss came in and tore us up. Yep. <laughs> and we lost that. So as it ties into Seattle um, and what Seattle's chances are, I, I'm not making any big illusions that I think Seattle's going to win this game. Um, but um Funny things happen when division rivals play that third game. And I actually remember back in 83 when I first became a diehard Seahawk fan when I was a kid, uh, we swept the um, the Los Angeles Raiders that year. And we made it to the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. And we got all the way to the AFC championship game and met them again. Uh, and they beat the shit out of us and went on to the Super Bowl <laughs> and they won it. So, like, sometimes that third meeting between three teams, like that team that, you know, some maybe maybe the team that 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 has won two in a row is kind of thinking like yeah we got their number a bit and mm-hmm. that other team is kind of going like okay we saw we recognize that they did this and they did mm-hmm. that and stuff and so yeah i mean i would say i would say seattle's got a got a fighter's chance in this one you know what i would like to see in this uh in this game 
a close game. Brock Purdy, they they need a touchdown. They need a touchdown to win. Brock Purdy gets him down to the five yard line. Uh, you know, he throws an incompletion. Uh, he throws another incompletion. Third down. It's all the marbles. He throws Tariq Wollen tip interception. Cody Barton. Seahawks going on. Yeah, Cody Barton gets the interception. Seahawks. He Seahawks feels like the on. Malcolm Smith of this all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Richard Sherman loses his mind on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to see. I'd love um, to see that. And uh, listen, weird things happen all the time. Like uh, with the Giants, you know, uh, when they beat uh, the unbeaten Patriots in the Super Bowl, I think they were like, uh, had only won nine games. They were a nine and seven team, yeah. Yeah, they were nine and seven team, and then just you know ripped it off. Who's to say uh, Seattle can't do that? You know, Geno can have one of those uh, like um, like uh, the Baltimore quarterback had uh, just one of those all time great postseasons um, when they won the Super Bowl. You know, I don't know, ten years ago. When was that? Um, where it's just like perfect in the postseason. Who knows? Gino could uh could just have one of those postseasons. There is Here's another interesting thing. Like, last yeah. time last time we played them a few weeks ago, we didn't have uh canine in that game. That's right. Um so actually most yeah. of our backfield was pretty banged up. Super banged up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the, um, I I think we have more than a fighting chance. There is nothing like an underrated underdog type team in the NFL when it comes to Wild Card Weekend. I do not make plans on Wild Card Weekend. It is my <laughs> favorite weekend of football. It is, it is the witching hour, four quarters instead of just one quarter. You it know, is. it's it is. There is always an unlikely team. There is always one, usually two big shakeups that happen on this weekend, which is why it's my favorite weekend of playoff football. Next week, it's almost always, you know, you know who's going to win. Yeah, the 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 dogs lose, and yeah, for the most part, yeah, there's usually one upset. Right, wild card weekend is all about multiple upsets, surprises, close games you weren't expecting, blowouts you weren't expecting, this weird stuff happening. When weird stuff happens, where wins become losses and losses become wins, and <laughs> I absolutely think that we are the kind of team that is poised for one of those major upsets because we do know this team so well, because we do usually have their number, because when the Seahawks are underrated is usually when they play their best football. Mm -hmm. And I do think part of that is that mentality and that community that they have. Mm -hmm. There is some some, uh, nice swagger going on right now Mm -hmm. with this team, and it is not inflated ego. It is a team that feels like they really fought to get there and that they pushed really hard when they weren't sure they could do it, when none of Mm -hmm. us were sure they could do it. Um, So they have this confidence going into this that can mean everything. And I think the 49ers turned this corner and everybody started saying, I see the 49ers in the Super Bowl. 
they're a super they look like a super bowl team like it was just i think for all we were like wait when did this happen they <laughs> they were horrible they got cmc and i thought that was the dumbest trade and i was a hundred percent wrong right they are so lauded right now as this like team of destiny they're prime for the upset absolutely yeah and lest we forget, you know, up until this season, the Seahawks have been the 49ers kryptonite. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm feeling good about this one, you guys. Yeah. What's um, your score? I think it's going to be fun regardless. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, Bonus football. absolutely. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Pete Carroll's going to get these guys to play. I, you know, and Pete Carroll, uh, it was either in his presser or maybe on his radio show this week, but, you know, he was saying, uh, I think maybe it was his presser and he was, he was saying, he was asked about the season and he said, you know, it's been a really frustrating one because we left a lot of wins on the floor. Like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of games this team should have won. And they know that all of the uh, NFC South games. All four of them. We should, should have won all four of them. And 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 then we'd be yeah. having like a much different conversation about you know um, their chances in, in the postseason. Right. You know, if we win half of those, uh, you know, we're in double digit wins. You know yeah. what I mean? They should have. They should have. They should have beat. They should have beat the Raiders. They, they should have beat Atlanta the in overtime. They were, they were poised to beat the Raiders in overtime um and a couple funky things happened there um and then i feel like they should have beaten one of the nfc south teams you know they Atlanta game. 11 wins this team, this team I, I feel like overachieved to a degree but i feel like they were trending in a strong enough direction uh coming out of the first nine games where they should have been able to get to like 10 or 11 wins a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Well, you wanna you wanna go through some predictions? Yeah. Yeah. How are we gonna do this? How are you how are how are the how are the how's this game gonna go, Curtis? I think it's gonna be hard fought. Mm-hmm. Um I um I'm gonna say Seahawks are gonna lose this one. Um I'm gonna say they're gonna lose it 27-23. But there will be hope and momentum going into uh, uh, the um, 2023 season off of the uh, Getty performance, and uh, I think they're gonna. I think I think they're gonna bang up a few 49ers and have that team look <laughs> weaker and dogged next week. You know, Lana, what do you got? Um, what fun and what sounds like fun to me is us just blowing the doors off the joint showing up getting uh, uh, Tariq Wollen has the game of his life. Cody Barton or Cody, Kobe Bryant, uh, peanut punches the ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tariq Wollen returns it uh, for a tutter. Uh, He also has a pick six um, because he's ready for Brock Purdy. I'm going to say 38, 17 Seattle. I think, and, and I just want, that's a want. That's a hard want. It'd be fun as hell, though. I think it is going to be a 
physical slobber knocker. I think these two teams are going to leave it all out on the field. I think they're going to hit each other. They're going to hurt each other. It is going to be smash mouth football. I think uh, I think Seattle is going to lean on K9 a little bit in this one in the run game. Uh, it's going to be low scoring. I say Seahawks 20, 49ers 17. Ooh. All right. Um, well, the weather is supposed to be really, really horrible. It continues, sadly, in California. Oh, that's right. Um. And I think it's pretty clear that I'm I'm picking the Seahawks to win this. Absolutely. And I have it as a relatively low scoring close game with the Hawks 23 and the Niners 21. Nice. Yeah. They're going to miss that field goal that they needed at some point. Yeah. Robbie Gold is good at missing field goals at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, in Jason Myers presser. He was talking about the, the, the doink that he yeah. kicked and he was saying, he was like, you know, there was a lot of wind coming uh, from the right. And he was like, I just kicked it too good. <laughs> he was like, I was trying to compensate for that win. Unfortunately I kicked it too good and it sliced right through it. <laughs> um, can funny. I, I just wanted to, uh, show some appreciation like without talking too in detail about that Packers uh Detroit game um because I think we're we're coming up on it in terms of the amount of time we've talked but I just as a dork as a dork who talks about sports it's not super often that you also see dorks in sports (laughs) not just dorks on sports and Jamal Williams the running back of the Detroit Lions I highly recommend spending some time googling his pressers anytime he's talking to the media he's talking about pokemon he's talking about naruto he's talking about <laughs> all kinds of anime he doesn't watch tv but he's talking about these tv shows uh and then the the cherry on the beautiful sunday that is jamal williams is the next iconic post-game interview after russell or uh Richard Richard Sherman's Richard Sherman's icon this an icon it begins with him mourning the death of his great-grandfather at 92 literally crying he's literally crying he's weeping it is truly emotional it's like you did it you did it she asked the next question about um something I don't even remember and he pivots on a dime and he's like we the Detroit Lions don't you talk bad about the Detroit Lions. We're here, you know, it's like we're a team. And then finally he ends it with an all-timer of a quote, which is, don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog up in this mug. I'm good. <laughs> He's That's so it. great. It he was- introduced himself, and I yes. don't remember what he said, but when he introduced himself and everyone else says what, you know, college, high school, whatever they came out of, and he introduced himself with some sort of catchphrase from it, like Naruto or something. I, I was not familiar. <laughs> I'm relatively familiar with, you know, the more popular animes. I didn't know what it was, but it was so like, it happened and the hubs and I looked at each other. And we were like, what did he just say? Like, wait, what? <laughs> and then, and he elaborated and explained it, um, I think in the presser. And it was just, 
it was just adorable. And I had that same thought of like, oh my gosh, he's the ultimate dork in sports. Like, oh. The ultimate. <laughs> he said the, uh, first, first swag Kazakage and then something of the house of death. <laughs> it was, and he just, he did it because he wanted more people to watch anime and to call out his anime friends. It's, he's a, he's a joy. It's amazing. I, I I loved how uh the Lions were celebrating like they just won the Super Bowl. They're not even going to the postseason, but the fact that they were able to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and spoil them from going to the postseason, yeah. just that spiteful energy. In uh, Green Bay. In Green Bay. Uh just so there good. was some there was some win loss record for the lions in green bay over the last i don't know 20 some odd years, years. They, like that. Only won three they were like three and yeah. 27 Jeez. going into this so like the percentages you know yeah I, I feel like of them you know pulling out that i mean you know different each season's a different season of football and all of that sort of stuff like that but the stat lines were not in their favor for sure yeah there yeah. were a lot of people who probably lost money on that game yeah, for sure. That was an entertaining game. Uh, I like that team. Go, go Lions. You know, you got a good team there. Uh, you want to talk out about some stuff? Sure. Let's Don't call me first, though. I have to think of what I want to talk about. Okay. I'll, I can go first. I, uh, uh, I, I'm, this is, I'm, okay. I'm going to get real dorky right now. Um, one of the things that I just dork out about in general, this is just, uh, a thing that infects my brain and it sits in there and I obsess on it. It's an itch that I always have to scratch. And it's that I'm always thinking about what human beings looked like, were like, you know, the begin from the beginning, like 2 million years ago, like a hundred thousand years ago. Uh, and then like, and then I, I think like, how did we get here? Like, like who decided that we were all going to like leave our tribes and live in cities and elect leaders and create capitalism and, you know, all of this stuff. Um, and so I, I discovered a book called Sapiens, a brief oh, yeah. history of humankind by Yuval Harari. Um, and this book was written for me. <laughs> this is exactly what this book is about. And this man thinks like I do. Um, and it looks like our values are 100% aligned in that regard. Uh, and so I have been reading that and learning a lot about um human beings especially like the ancient human beings and you know how many species there were and how maybe what happened uh you know when we reached uh sort of like you know enlightenment uh and we started thinking like human beings and um it's all very very interesting and uh and i like it a lot um so that's what i'm dorking out about i'm just a big old dork uh lana what are you dorking out about um, first off, uh, Kaleidoscope is an entertaining watch. Some oh, of the acting's garbage, um, uh, but I mean garbage. Uh, but the storytelling's really fun, and it's really interesting to have a puzzle box that's actually a puzzle. Um, and it's uh, Giancarlo. Uh, I mean, it is Giancarlo totally... Esposito uh, and the lady. Um, 
who is <clears throat> on the green. She she was in Rami. Uh, she was not the oh, sister. Oh yeah, she's she great. Was, yeah, she's really good uh, in it, and there are some good performances. But the daughter, uh, the woman on the orange, and my background is from like uh, Gossip Girl or some or Riverdale. She's from Riverdale. She's terrible in it. She's the some of the worst acting I've ever seen. But I didn't want to talk about that too much. We've, we're enjoying it. I recommend it. What I wanted to talk about that I'm kind of, this is like my dorking, similar to yours, uh, just inside my head, and I don't have any resources. I'm just thinking about AI, and I'm thinking specifically about these um, straight-to-consumer AIs that have come out, like Lensa, ChatGPT, um, the other, uh, this one that is actually purporting to be porn, uh, effectively and, and the ones that are creating art, creating conversation and writing essays for you, like, and writing music. And I was thinking about who created these and it's these tech bros who don't know how to talk to people, don't know how to make art and don't know how to engage with a woman. And so they are creating these AIs that are designed to do things that they cannot uh, and right. to, to, in order to conquer those things so yes. that they can own the art, so that they can own the sex, so that they can own the conversation. And it's really stressing me out a little bit because nobody we, – we talk about this uh, impending takeover of AI of a lot of jobs. Uh, um, and the, all the jobs that AIs are being designed to do right now are soft soft-skill jobs like customer service um, because a tech bro could never do that. And then writing music writing stories, writing and painting art, like making art, like these are all things that AI are being designed to do. Nobody's designing AI to code software, to create uh, um, anything that is what a tech bro views them their own value of. So I want, like, I've been thinking about this a lot and I've been like, why have, why isn't there an organization that sees this and hire somebody to be a chief humanities officer, right? So like something in that C-suite who's in charge of the strategic um, uh, direction when it comes to humanities. Like yeah. we, could, we could potentially be facing, if, if that were accepted, PayPal will have, would have, or uh, sorry, uh, uh, TikTok could have a chief humanities offer officer who is in charge of ensuring that uh, art is being created and whatever. And they come to these meetings from a creative mindset and engage with it in that way. They are in charge of when they when there is AI, teaching that, that AI how to have a fucking soul as opposed to just be in service to create this art and shit. And I just got really excited about the idea of creating this, like using capitalism to create this new uh, career path for artists that is about the strategy and the creativity and the bringing together and saving the culture of an organization. And it feels to me like all of these, Twitter would benefit from that. We, it, uh, Facebook would benefit from that. All of these organizations, uh, these companies would benefit from having somebody who is looking out for the soul of the company and its staff. Uh, and it just really, I got worked up about it. I got a little stone last night, but um, that's par probably part of the reason I went, went down the, this road. But nobody is teaching uh, uh, an AI to have a soul so that it can make art. And I'd be fine with that if it was doing that. 
Um, but this whole borrowing from other people's work stuff, it's really stressful. And it's because a tech bro wants to get laid. And that's yeah, ultimately I know. where we're at. The irony is that like, we could be creating AI to do jobs that would free up our time. And so that humans, we can have conversations make and make art. art. And, and write be creative. Stories. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Because humans, when given time for leisure, do things like have conversations and create art. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's what we gravitate toward. Instead, we're creating AI to be humans, and we want humans to do the job of, you know, automatons. Yeah. 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 It's, I, it's, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you on that, Alana. Yeah. Very stressful. But it's, it's also like there's so much room for innovation in that if somebody would just listen to an artist yes that's that's why that's where that came from it's true it's just unfortunate if you look at sort of what immediately happened at a place like twitter where you get someone like elon musk who came in and was like well the whole point here is for me to turn this into a money-making endeavor so i'm making all these changes and you know what's what's coming to light is the the first things he cut were divisions that were devoted to while not <laughs> devoted to humanities, but were yeah. devoted to making sure that the disinformation wasn't happening, that that people weren't putting up false information, that they weren't impersonating other people. All of these divisions that kept people a, a, a little more morally compassed within what your company was willing to put out there were the first mm-hmm. things to go. So I love your idea and I wish I ha- right now had that kind of belief in 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 our trajectory as humans. <laughs> Damar Hamlin makes me believe that we have a trajectory now. Like I genuinely. Aww. I like, like that. Yeah, well, it's, it's not very often that, you know, um, humanity can actually rally around something this day and age it feels like you know we're all just sort of in our own silos and then every once in a while you know it's nice to learn that eh, people can get together toward one common good yeah curtis what are you talking about last night i watched uh jurassic jurassic park jurassic world the new Dominion. one? Dominion? Yeah. Is that the one with uh, the legacy characters, Jeff Goldblum and all Yeah, those? they all come back. Yeah. 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 Did you like I, uh, it's funny we're all talking about AI and I'm like watching a movie about, you know, uh, DNA dinosaurs and giant <laughs> bugs and shit like that. <laughs> That may, that was probably written by AI. I would, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I enjoyed this last one. Did you? You know, I it, was, it. it was. I, I I wanted to watch it because I heard. You know, I I saw so many people making. You know, saying how terrible it was, and so when I hear like in my algorithms. When I when I hear enough people saying like this is trash, this is garbage, this is bullshit, this is that, I'm just kind of like, okay, let me now I got to check out this and and like spend two and a half an hours watching it. And you know, it wasn't the best, but I enjoyed it. I'm with the I'm with you there. There there was there was there was fun acting involved. I got my Jeff Goldblum doing mm-hmm. my Jeff Goldblum stuff, and um, I got to say. Um, uh campbell scott was a great sort of 
villainy foil. Uh, and speaking of Bezos and uh, Musk and all those guys, I mean, like what you're talking about is kind of what's in the storyline and stuff. And it was, um, I mean, there's a lot of preposterous stuff. I mean, people are like, you know, driving, you know, tractors and hay balers and there's stegosauruses like walking right down. Like the whole <laughs> thing is about like some, I didn't see the last you know jurassic world movie so i have no idea how they got to this point but basically in this film it's um it's gigantic dinosaurs uh and um and gigantic flying dinosaurs and swimming dinosaurs and munching dinosaurs uh cohabitating on every continent of this planet with regular non-dinosaur life in this coexisting sort of way um and it's preposterous but it's also kind of like it's kind of spectacularly preposterous to watch that this got made and yeah maybe it was an ai person that you know maybe it was all algorithms just like in that you know in that in that one episode of season three of barry where the woman is just sort of blind blood sort of blankly staring at her and going like well the numbers suggest this and the numbers suggest that you know and and here you get this kind of uh crappy thing but sometimes i enjoy watching crap i'm sort of into it <laughs> it was fun crap i saw it in the movie yeah. theater with family and and yeah. I had a really good time. The one before it was absolute yeah. wreck. It was horrible. And it was unfortunate mm -hmm. that there was a couple plot points from that that were kind of important to the last one. But, you know, whatever. There's there's a child and it needs to be saved is all you really need to know about it. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I need my Whopper from uh, Burger King. Yeah. And totally. You know? yeah. And look, That's when it comes to dino for. porn, yeah. it's what you want. But the dinosaurs are spectacular. Thing. They're spectacular to watch. The worst thing about the next, the current era of film is that we lose out on those uh, good, bad movies, right? Like hundred uh, percent. Something that is an entertaining watch that maybe costs, I mean, this isn't the case with Jurassic World or whatever, Dominion. Um, something that costs $40 million to make everyone on set is having a great time, but it's ultimately insignificant, but it's entertaining as shit. I can think of like 90 movies of the nineties that fit those qualifications or like the Chronicles of Riddick is a really good example mm -hmm. where it was a big swing, a total miss, but it was entertaining as hell. Uh, and then they made a sequel to it. Like, I was like, okay, like, <laughs> sure. I'm on board. Like, let's do it. I hear they might make another one. Like, awesome like give it to me but now it's it's either a 400 million dollar movie or a 10 million dollar movie yeah and there's nothing in between totally uh, and that's unfortunate yeah i agree i thought the first uh jurassic park movie was kind of a schlocky hot mess too but i enjoyed it for that because i had jeff goldblum's chest you know <laughs> it was fun he, jeff, jeff goldblum, goldblum makes um, movies fun Jeff Goldblum is also a uh, uh, bisexual curiosity for many straight men. Oh, I can oh, see, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. I, I always that. kind of saw myself uh, in some of his performances, so maybe that explains why I was so much of a wanker most of my life. <laughs> yeah. Just we like, should oh, let Millie. Yeah, it looks like me. 
<laughs> we shouldn't let Millie dork it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I've mentioned previously that uh, during this fantasy time of year for fantasy football, I spend uh, a lot of time listening to the this this season, especially the ESPN um, fantasy football podcast. Uh-huh. Um I really enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy Daniel Dopp, especially. He's a he's a really fun analyst. And when the fantasy show existed, which I think I told you all about, which was Matthew Barry when he was still on ESPN, Daniel Dopp was his was his sidekick. And you know, they they used puppets, and it was just really, really fun show, by the way, for for fantasy and for football in general. So Daniel Dopp has become um much more prominent on ESPN this season. And he leads the podcast along with Field Yates and my personal uh, favorite analyst, Stefania Bell. And it's it's a lot of fun to the point that I started listening to multiple episodes in a week. It was way too much fantasy football, really, but I did it anyway, because that's what I was listening to in my car when I would commute. So now season's over. And so I needed to find new podcasts. And um, found a couple articles, sort of people's, you know, top podcasts for 2022. Um, and I have a tendency to only listen to a couple, one or two, maybe podcasts at a time. Um, so I'm not one of these people who has like 80 different podcasts I listen to. So I'm really, really picky. It has to really pull me. And um, I just discovered this podcast because of that list. Apparently lots of people know about it. So, you know, I'm not claiming to discover anything new. But um, it's called Normal Gossip. They just started um, their third season. So it's it's not huge, but it's definitely starting to uh, become popular. And the premise of Normal Gossip is it's, it's a conversation with the host, Kelsey McKinney. Um, it's comedic gossip. It's submitted by real people telling a real story from their life. Um, and then she and the producers reach out to the people who are actually involved to get more information about the story and to vet it and to talk to different parties involved if possible. It's incredibly anonymous. They don't share anything. So, you know, you're not, you're not adding anybody's dirty laundry. You're just telling the stories. And um, it's usually done with her and then, um, you know, a comedian type host to have the to tell the story to so as they go they're stopping points of like so so what do you think she's gonna do now kind of moments and you're like well I'm pretty sure this is what I would do and it's like yeah but you've got 30 more years of experience in your life so that is not (laughs) what this person is about to do kind of moments and um I am just very quickly in love with this podcast like I said that's hard to do with me uh to win my heart that quickly so um I definitely recommend Normal Gossip. I also recommend, from the list I got, they actually told you what episode to start with, which I think is really helpful with podcasts. That's super um, helpful. I, I always like to start at the beginning and it's not a good idea. It's probably why they don't grab me a lot of the time. Um, so season two, episode one, Grandma's Best Friend Dot um, is the episode that I started with. And it is hilarious storytelling based on true story gossip excellent sounds like a good time i have i have a really uh recommendation for you as well amelia that sounds similar categorically um which is called uh beautiful anonymous it's that's uh, a great hosted, podcast 
Yeah, it's hosted by Chris Gethard. Um, and the, the concept is one phone call, one hour, no names, no holds barred. And so it's just basically him and another person talking on the phone for an hour. And it is riveting at times, just absolutely riveting. Um, and I love it. And Chris Gethard is one of the best listener hosts uh, comedians that you can possibly imagine because he is always saying yes. Um, yeah. So I I strongly recommend it. Say it Especially because it's beautiful anonymous. So beautiful slash anonymous. Okay. Um, it's an Earwolf podcast, um, which is a podcast producing company. I'm putting it into my little thing right now to see if I have it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. And he's got an extensive improv background, but he just has the gift of gab. He can he can talk to anybody and does. And 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 it's an hour uh on the nose, like no more. Uh it could be less if they hang up, but he's not going to. Uh mm-hmm. so uh at when the hour is up, the phone call stops and that's it. So um, is it called Beautiful Stories from Anonymous? No, beautiful slash anonymous. You'll find it on on um, Spotify as beautiful stories from anonymous people. Okay, yeah. I'm trying no, to I remember Podbean, but that is what it's called there. But I can Got see it. the little square is beautiful slash anonymous. So I, uh-huh. I found it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun podcast. All um, right, I'll give it great. a shot. Um, yeah. You give uh, normal gossip a shot. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like right up my alley. Too. All right, it's a deal. Done. And done. All right. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, all right. Hey, you should uh, you should check out Curtis's blog if you haven't. 12life.com. Uh, he's always got some really good stuff on there, especially during the postseason with these exciting Seahawks. Uh, if you're listening to this and you like it, you should hit the follow button or the plus sign or the check mark wherever you're listening to this. Uh, we're on Google and Apple and spotify and all those other podcast names that all end in ours uh and uh you know if you don't find us uh wherever you're listening just let us know and we'll get us on there once again my name is daniel for curtis millie alana the rest of 12 saying goodbye and go hawks go hawks go hawks go hawks